text this afternoon is Ezekiel chapter 37, and we'll read those first 14 verses together, Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. There we read the following. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So far, the word of God. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can dead bones live again? That's the question God asked the prophet Ezekiel as he looked out over that valley filled with dry bones. Can these bones live? That's the question God 
posed to Ezekiel as he saw that nation of Israel lying in ruins, her people in exile, a dead nation. Can people who are dead in their sins and hopelessness be made alive again? And just from our reading there, we can say yes, they can. Dead bones can live again. That's what Pentecost is about. That's what the work of the Spirit of God is about. By his death, as we hear every time in the Lord's Supper form, by his death, Jesus Christ has obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. And by that life-giving Spirit which Christ poured out on his church at Pentecost, and who lives in believers through the Word and the, and the, the proclamation of the Word and the sacraments, we who are dead in ourselves can also live too. And that was prophesied already in the Old Testament. On the day of Pentecost, people spoke to the people about the, the promised Holy Spirit. And we see that promise of the granting of the Spirit, the pouring out of the Spirit in the Old Testament. For instance, in our text for this afternoon, on this day of Pentecost, then I preach to you God's word in the text with this theme through a vision given to the prophet Ezekiel. God promises his people the life-giving spirit. We see that this vision speaks about first dead people, secondly, glorious revival, and thirdly, new life. So first, dead people. Brothers and sisters, that includes you, two uh, boys and girls. The prophet Ezekiel was given a vision by the Lord, and in the text he was led by the hand of the Lord, it says, and the Spirit of the Lord brought him into a valley filled with the bones of dead people. What a strange sight that must have been for the prophet to be looking out over this whole valley of dead bones, filled with dead bones, as if a great battle had taken place there. All these people had been killed and the bodies just left there and picked clean by birds and animals and only bones remaining behind, dry bones scattered all over the place. Notice what the Lord did with Ezekiel in that valley full of bones. It says in, in verse 2 that the Lord led the prophet back and forth among those bones. Ezekiel had to walk around them, through them all. Because the Lord wanted to impress on his mind and his senses how many there were. And also how dead and dry they were. At the end of verse 2, Ezekiel notes those bones were very dry. They lay there in the sun, silent and bleached and dried. The Lord God obviously wanted to impress on him there was no life in these bones at all. Why did Ezekiel have to be confronted and impressed with that valley of dry bones? Well, we see, we see that when we listen to the Lord's explanation of this vision in verse 11. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. So those bones represent the house of Israel in exile in Babylon. Because that's when... Ezekiel had this vision when Jerusalem was completely destroyed and emptied. All of Israel had been taken captive to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. 
they felt dead, hopeless as a nation. The prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah had warned the people of Israel over and over again, unless they would repent of their sins and return to serving the Lord, they would, this is what would happen to them. They didn't listen to those prophets sent by the Lord, and that's why Jerusalem had been destroyed and Israel was now in exile far away from the promised land. And now the people felt dead, hopeless, because they had ignored the Lord, gone their own way. He had given them over to captivity, to death, actually, as a people. To not live for the Lord, but to live in sin is to be dead, even though you're still alive. You're actually dead if you do not live for the Lord. Live in that relationship with the Lord. Then you're like those bones, still around, but totally lifeless, actually. And that's how the Bible always speaks about living in sin. Holding on to sins in non-repentance. For instance, Psalm 38, verse 3, David says, Because of... Your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. He was repenting of his sin. And he realized, before I repented, I was dead. I was dead. Sin brings death. Spiritual death. That's also how the Apostle Paul speaks about it in Ephesians 2, verse 1. We read that together, too where he writes about how the Ephesian believers used to live. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Sin, our, our sinful nature, walking in sin means you're dead, even though you're still walking around. Dead men walking is what they call it when somebody is on death row had not yet executed. Dead as those bones Ezekiel saw in the valley. And that's why he had to walk through all those bones in that valley. The Lord wanted to impress on him and on all Israel through Ezekiel that sin means death. If you depart from the Lord, as his people, and hold on to your sins, you're like a pile of dried out bones. And when Ezekiel sees that, the Lord asks him, son of man, can these bones live? Humanly speaking, of course, he would have had to answer no. Those, those bones can't live. I mean, how could dry bones be resuscitated? We're so helpless in the face of death. Anyone who has sat beside the body of a loved one who has died knows that very well. No way you can bring death to that body anymore. It's impossible. Man can do a lot, but nobody on earth can give life to someone who has died. Ezekiel, the prophet, responds. You, you notice that he responds very carefully. To the Lord's question, he replies at the end of verse 3. He says, O Lord God, you know. 
He doesn't dare say yes, because there's no life left in those bones at all. It looks pretty hopeless. On the other hand, he doesn't say, dare say no either, because he knows who asked him the question. He's the sovereign God who once created Adam out of the dust of the earth. In the beginning, God's power is without limits. Could he who created life not also restore it again? He made Eve out of a rib of Adam. So he leaves the answer over to God. He says, Lord, you know. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, this, this vision of a valley full of dry bones is, is kind of frightening. And it's a vision which shows that the consequence of sin is a dead end. Living without God is a dead end. When there's refusal to repent and turn to the Lord in humility and seek his promised mercy, there is no life. Are there skeletons in our closets? Bones in our basements? Sins sap life away, dry us up if there's no turning to the Lord. David wrote about that in Psalm 32. When I kept silent about my sin, he said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Is there no hope for people who are stuck in sin then? Can dead bones live again? Well, this is exactly what Pentecost is about. As sinners, we need a spiritual resurrection from the dead. And by his death, as we heard with the Lord's Supper this morning, Christ has obtained the life-giving spirit and that was evident in his resurrection. And then he sent his spirit, not only so that through him we might have physical resurrection in the future, but also spiritual resurrection in this life already here. In other words, a dying to sin and a living more and more being raised to new life. In Christ, in ourselves, we're all born in sin, conceived and born in sin. We're all dead already right from the beginning. But Christ has obtained for us, and at Pentecost has also sent us, the life-giving spirit so that we might be temple of his spirit, so that we might be made alive again. So that we don't have to stay in our sins, but we can live a new life. Here and now already. Spiritual new life. The biggest thing about Pentecost in Acts 2 wasn't the wind and the fire and the tongues, which were the signs of the Spirit. The biggest thing was that sinners who were dead in themselves, who were dry bones came alive again by the power of the Spirit. And on that Pentecost day, 3,000 souls were added to the church. That was the greatest sign of the Spirit's coming at Pentecost. So many people came alive to God in Christ. The second part of the sermon was about glorious revival. Can these bones live? Can people who are stuck in sin 
be brought to repentance and to life again, spiritual revival. Ezekiel left the answer to that question up to the Lord, you remember? And the Lord dramatically shows him what the answer is. It's a two-stage act. First, God tells Ezekiel, go preach to those bones. He says in verse 4 and following, he says, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you will know that I'm the Lord. Imagine having to, the prophet having to preach to this valley of dry bones. I imagine myself preaching something with nothing but dry bones in front of me instead of living people. But Ezekiel does as told by the Lord and something astonishing happens. Those scattered bones, bones all over the floor of that valley, they start to move and clank and rattle and they find the bones they used to be joined to before and they come together again, forming skeletons. And miraculously, as, as the prophet is prophesying, tendons come on them, sinews to hold them to together, and then muscles and skin, all complete bodies. Still lifeless, though. And then comes the second act. God commands Ezekiel to speak to the wind, the breath the life-giving air of man's breath. Ezekiel is to speak to the four winds, call it to breathe life into those bodies. The Hebrew word for breath is the same as wind and it's the same as spirit. And the point is that those bodies need to breathe in order to live. And when Ezekiel prophesies that amazing thing happens, those bodies stand up alive and breathing where moments before, there had only been dry bones. There was now a whole army of living, breathing people. It reminds us a bit of what happened at creation. It says in Genesis 2 that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground first. And then when he had formed him, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In other words, Ezekiel saw God's creative, and we could say here, recreative power at work in the valley of dead bones. What did this all mean for Israel? After all, this vision was intended for those people in exile there who thought they were as good as dead. Well, the Lord promises here that he will again revive the nation of Israel. Their sins and their refusal to repent from their sins had brought God's wrath over them so that he gave them over to the Babylonians, sent them far away from, from Jerusalem, from the temple, from himself. They were a people in exile. The situation looked hopeless for them. They were a people whose bones were dried up, whose hope was all gone. But the Lord doesn't leave his people just like that. The Lord is faithful. Though his people are unfaithful, he is faithful. He wants to revive his people. He says to them, verse 12, Oh, my people, 
Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And how will he give life, raise up those dead people again? He says that in verse 14. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. And then you will know that I am the Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, in the text, the Lord promises to raise up this people for himself once again. Give them life again, and he will do so by his word and spirit. People who have died come to life again by his word and spirit. Ezekiel preached, and through that proclamation of the prophet, the spirit of the Lord again went into those bones and revived those dead bones, and they became living, breathing people of God again. So the Lord, by his word and spirit, was going to raise up those Israelites from spiritual death to become living believers again. They had come to a dead end, but through his word and spirit, they would come alive again, return to the Lord, come to their own land again, serve the Lord again. And that's what happened around 40 years later. There were Israelites in Babylon who had come to repentance and revival through the word and spirit and who were allowed to return to the promised land again, back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, back to the temple, to rebuilding. It was like a resurrection from the dead, a return from the grave. People who believed again, who wanted to serve the Lord again, worship him, longed for the Savior again. But that's not the only fulfillment of the prophecy of our text. That coming to life of those dry bones in that valley was also prophecy of Christ's sending of his spirit at Pentecost and of the power of the spirit to raise people spiritually from the dead through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For today, too, dry bones can live again, can be resuscitated, revived. And that happens through the life-giving spirit which Christ obtained by his death. And that spirit is given through the word. He comes into our hearts through the word and gives new life. And that's what the last part of the sermon is about, this new life. We mentioned already that this vision of Ezekiel shows us how God brings life to dead, dry bones by the spirit through the gospel through the word. The prophet preached. The bones moved, took on bodies. And then the spirit blew and entered those bodies and gave them life again. New life by the spirit through the word of God. In our text then, the Lord describes the regeneration and renewal. The turning of dead sinners to God again. This is how we come to faith and to daily repentance from dead works to the living God. The Spirit of God uses the word, the opening and the proclamation of the gospel to give life again to poor sinners. Wherever God's word is faithfully preached, dry bones will receive sinew and flesh and skin and breath and dead sinners are made alive. There are Sundays when we come under the preaching of the gospel 
and we're nothing more than dry bones in the pews. And then we need to hear the word of God. We need to listen. Then we can live again. We need to see the gospel of Christ at the Lord's table as we saw this morning. Watch and we can live again. The spirit works through these things, these means. He gives life. The spirit which Jesus Christ obtained with his blood and gave to his church at Pentecost gives new life, which is just as miraculous as a physical resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, when we fall into sin, when we follow the ways of this world again, when we give in to our sinful nature again, we again become dry bones. Can dry bones live again? They can. They can. Most certainly through the spirit obtained for you by Jesus Christ and promised to you. He promises to work regeneration in you. And you need to be open to that. You need to repent then. Because he's given to you. Paul writes about that in Ephesians 2. He first mentions that we were dead in our sins in ourselves. But he writes Ephesians 2, 4 to 6. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even while we were dead in transgressions, by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. Raised us up to new life with Christ's life-giving spirit. How can we live in death? How can we be dead people? So the Lord's Supper on the morning of this day of Pentecost means that even though you are by nature dead in your sins, there is a way open for you to life. Dry bones can live again. People with sinful natures and who so often stumble in sin again, they can live they can be raised to new life again. But then they need to come under the word and the spirit of Christ who overcame death will raise them up. They need to come when, when and where the word is proclaimed. Be where the word is phys physically confirmed, visibly confirmed by the sacraments. That's what the spirit uses to give life. The spirit of Jesus Christ who died and rose from the dead. He has obtained the life-giving spirit and through the gospel restores life to dry bones. The word of salvation and forgiveness of sins through his cross are life to us. He sent his apostles out with his spirit and word. When he ordained his apostles and he sent them out, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The sins you forgive are forgiven and the sins you retain are retained. He sent his, his men out with that. Brothers and sisters, when you hear the forgiveness of your sins proclaimed in the name of Jesus, you are under the word and spirit of the Lord in the presence of a mighty power, the power of life, the power by which Jesus Christ, who died for sinners, rose again. How could we ever remain in sin then? Because congregation, we can sometimes be so dry and dead, can't we? Hatred, envy, selfishness, covetousness, misuse of God's gifts, lack of desire to worship and praise God, 
Think of the church of Sardis mentioned in Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, the Lord says to that church, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. They were dead because even though they were a church had all the promises of God, they were dead because there was no love for God and the neighbor. And they had not repented of that. There could be a lot of activity in a church, a lot of involvement in church life, and still it can be dead too. That's how it was with the Pharisees. Jesus told them they were whitewashed tombs, nice and white and proper on the outside, but full of dead man's bones on the inside. They were so pious and orthodox, and still they were dead. Dead because they lived out of their sinful nature yet. They loved themselves more than the Lord and their neighbor. Brothers and sisters, outside of the spirit of Christ, there is no life. There is no life at all. Even though it looks like it's so alive, there is no life outside of Christ and living for him. Without him, you're on the way to eternal destruction and death, no matter how much fun you are, you're having. Only through the word and spirit of the Lord can you find true life and is there any hope for you. The spirit of Christ wants to live in you then to give you that new life, renewed hope every time again. And the more you let him work in you through word and sacrament, the more you grow in the hope of your complete and full resurrection too. If you experience the spiritual resurrection, you will also live in more and more in the, in the comfort that you will also experience the physical resurrection. The Apostle Paul writes in that vein, Romans 8 verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. If the spirit lives in you now, you'll be sure to have that full resurrection in the future too. In that same chapter, the apostle also writes about suffering. And he's able to write then that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us in Christ. Then we're on our way to that complete renewal to indestructible life. And the more we give ourselves to that renewal and regeneration by the spirit here and now, the more sure we will be of the full joy of everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, back to that question that the Lord asked Ezekiel at the beginning of the text, can dry bones live again? Pentecost, Christ's outpouring of the spirit on his church proclaims the answer, yes, dead, dry bones can live through the spirit of him who died for us and rose again too. Let's seek him in word and sacrament. Let his spirit work in us through them. Then we have life now and forever. Amen. Let's sing in response to the proclamation, hymn 47, stanzas 4 and 5. Hymn 47, 4 and 5.